Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Hoof and Fang is celebrating Leap Day with an epic once in a four year cycle sale. On February 29th, 2024, every audiobook in our online store will be on sale for $2.99. And every day leading up to February 29th, we are sharing a preview of our audiobooks right here in the Hoof and Fang podcast feed. Today, you get to hear a selection from our latest audiobook production, Faces by A.M. Rose. Chapter 1. Dorian. Your five o'clock is here, the voice of Dorian's assistant, Allie, rang through the room, making the hairs on the back of his neck stand up. He nodded, patting his lap to check he had his sketch pad and pencils ready. Oh, and your mother called about an hour ago. Dorian flinched, closing his eyes against the instant headache the words brought on. She called the office line, he asked through clenched teeth. Said she called your cell a few times, but you weren't answering. You'd think that would be a clue, he said. Allie laughed. Want me to lose the message she left? He sighed. No, I'll call her later. Can you bring the client in, please? Sure thing, she replied and walked out, steps clinking further away from his studio, followed by the creak of his front door. And then, voices. A high-pitched, nasally one belonged to Allie, and a gruff, deep one had to belong to his client. Two sets of steps returned, and he noted the second set hit the floor heavily, thudding and then dragging slightly, as opposed to the soft tinkle of Allie's high heels. The door opened again, and the heavy steps walked in, door closing as soon as they stepped toward the middle of the room. There was a second of shuffling, clothes rustling and breath coming out heavy, before the person moved and the click of the light switch resonated in Dorian's ears. Please turn the lights off, he said, fists clenching nervously around the pencil in his hand. But, off. Dorian repeated, counting the seconds it took the person to listen to his words. He got to fifteen before the soft click could be heard again. Thank you. You're welcome, the gruff voice responded. Dorian waved a hand to his right. You can sit in that chair. You'll be more comfortable, as this might take a while. The person moved. A whoosh of air from them sitting down, permeating the air with the scent of floral fabric softener and dust. How does... I mean... He heard the person start, and he knew what they wanted to ask. He needed some information first. I'll explain everything. There's no need to be nervous or scared, he said, used to people being nervous when they came to see him. I'm Dorian. Tanner the person responded. Nice to meet you, Tanner. May I ask what your pronouns are? Oh, he and him, the man responded, and Dorian nodded. Okay, and do you know how this works? Dorian asked, and he could almost visualize Tanner shaking his head. Very few people came to see him prepared or even aware of what he did. No, came the clipped response. 
It's not painful or scary. Or particularly draining for you. It can just take a while. I'll take your hand and ask you to try and clear your mind of everything other than the reason you're here. If you can focus, it should be done in about half an hour. And if I'm not focused... Dorian heard a quiver in Tanner's voice that told him the man was afraid of not getting what he was there to get. It'll still happen, but it'll take much longer. The man let out a long breath, and Dorian knew Tanner was scared it wouldn't work if he couldn't focus. He'd been doing it long enough to be able to recognize the signs. Don't worry. Nobody has ever left here without their answer. Except for me, he thought but shook his head quickly to stop himself from going down that road. It never ended well. The bursts of despair would crash over him like waves, threatening to drown him if he didn't swim faster. He allowed himself to be swallowed up every now and again, but it wasn't the time. Ready, he asked, extending his hand to his right, waiting for the soft shift of air that preceded someone taking it. A split second later, Tanner's fingers slipped over his. He felt the cold clamminess of his palm, could feel the light tremble and the lack of movement in his knuckles that suggested he was tense despite Dorian's reassurance. Sure, Tanner said, and Dorian nodded. Great. Whenever you feel ready, take a couple of deep breaths, close your eyes, and try to focus on the reason you're here. The instructions were fairly vague, but it was the best he could offer. He focused on Tanner's deep breathing, the long exhales sounding like he was letting them out through his teeth. The fingers around his fluttered, squeezing and releasing before going lax. Dorian closed his eyes too, pencil positioned above his pad. Tanner took another deep breath, and a line flashed in Dorian's mind. He touched the tip of his pencil to the paper and followed the slope down. As soon as he drew the final spot of the first line, another appeared, rounding off the bottom, and then another, curving up almost to the top of his pad. The images slowed down for a second, before rushing at him full force. He gasped and clenched his lids, desperate to catch every single one. Short lines, long ones, straight, curved, they danced in his mind, rushing through his muscles and gliding out from his pencil to the pad. He didn't know how long he sat there, holding Tanner's hand, allowing his fingers to do what they were born to do. He just knew that by the time he was etching the last little squiggle onto the paper, he was exhausted. The last drawing of the day always left him feeling drained. Sighing deeply, he let the pencil fall from his fingers giving Tanner's hand a squeeze with his other hand. You'll want to breathe deep for a bit longer. Only open your eyes when you feel ready to, he said, and pulled his hand away, breaking the contact one cell at a time. Is it done? Tanner asked, voice quivering. He wasn't the first person to cry as Dorian pulled images from their subconsciousness. He wouldn't be the last. Dorian made sure not to make anyone feel like they had to be ashamed for feeling. It is. I'll give it to you when you're ready to leave and you can take a look, he said. Do you know? Do you know who they are? Tanner asked. And Dorian shrugged, 
I can tell you very generic things, he said, and it was the truth. Years of running the pencil across paper made it possible for him to guess if the person he was drawing was younger or older, had long hair or short, was skinny or chubby. The placement of his lines told him some information. Not enough, though. Never enough. I'd rather see for myself, Tanner said eventually, and Dorian nodded. I think that's for the best, he said with a small smile standing up. It was lovely to meet you, Tanner. I wish you all the best. He heard the telltale shuffle of someone getting up from the soft chair and the rustle of paper from his sketch pad. Thank you, Tanner said before heading to the door. Dorian heard his steps falter before he spoke again. Do you want the light now? Dorian chuckled, shaking his head. I don't have much use for it, he said, lifting his eyes in Tanner's direction, wincing when he heard the man gasp. Dorian knew what he'd seen. Unfocused, almost milky eyes, a light tremor making them restless. He didn't know what they looked like personally, but it was described to him, and he had been told it wasn't pretty. I, I'm so sorry, Tanner said the paper in his hand giving away the fact that his hands were shaking. Dorian didn't want him to be uncomfortable. No need to apologize, Dorian said, knowing Tanner didn't mean anything bad with his question. I completely forgot I read you were blind, he said, voice still apologetic. I'm really sorry, just didn't know what... You didn't know what it looked like, he said, before turning his back to the man he rarely allowed people to see his eyes outside his home. He doubted anyone had ever seen an image of him without his sunglasses. Allie will see you out. He was happy the man took that for what it was. A dismissal. A desire to be left alone. He also appreciated that Allie knew him well enough not to come in. He heard the lights switch off, and then the sound of the key turning in the lock of his front door. Dorian took a few minutes to arrange his pencils the way he preferred. He ran his fingers over the small stickers on top of each one, the pads of his fingers recognizing the symbol for each shade. He placed them in a neat row on the table in front of his chair, darkest to lightest from left to right. His sketch pad went on the seat of his chair. He picked up a couple of empty mugs of tea to wash and get ready for the morning and blew the vanilla-scented candle out. He walked up to the second story, into his apartment. He debated calling his parents as he climbed the stairs, but decided against it. After the day he'd had, the last thing he needed was to hear their dramatics over whatever they wanted to rage about. He placed the mugs into his dishwasher and turned it on, heading directly for the shower, desperate to wash the day away before it seeped under his skin. He stood under the spray of warm water as long as he could. He felt the tension in his shoulders drain away, and the heavy feeling sitting in the pit of his stomach settle. Dorian leaned his palms against the shower wall and allowed himself just a split second of grief for what he'd never have. Just a single moment. No more. The truth was, he loved helping people, he loved connecting to them, diving into their minds and finding that one thing they so desperately wanted. 
He loved drawing the faces of their soulmates. He just wished he could do the same for himself. Chapter 2 Hayden Happy birthday! Hayden turned just in time to catch his younger sister as she flung herself into his arms. One of these days, I'm just going to let you fall on your butt, he said, giving Ariel a little twirl before setting her down. No, you won't, Ariel giggled, and everything inside him warmed up. No, you're probably right. I don't want to get in trouble with Mom, he winked, and she nodded her head. She wouldn't like you dropping me, she said, trying to be stern, and he leaned in to whisper in her ear. She doesn't like you jumping up on people either, you know. He didn't like reprimanding her, but it was for her own safety. Ariel was as bubbly and spirited at 17 as she was as a five-year-old. She was outgoing, loud, and had no concept of danger. She had Down syndrome, and Hayden, being almost 13 years older than she was, liked to make sure she was as safe as possible. He also liked to spoil her rotten, other than Alex, his childhood best friend, she was the closest person to him. I brought you something, he said, and the pout that had bloomed on her face at being told off disappeared instantly. What is it? She bounced on her toes, and he pointed to a box he'd set on the table when he'd walked into his childhood home. She ran to the box, taking it out of the bag and sitting down to unwrap the colorful paper carefully. She collected wrapping paper, and he made sure to find a different one whenever he brought her a gift. Did you buy her a gift for your own birthday again? Hayden heard his mom ask as she walked into the living room. He smiled, turning around to hug her. Sure did. It's tradition. It's silly. She shook her head. Her birthday is only a month away, and she'll get her gifts then. Hayden knew she was trying to sound stern, but the smile on her face gave her away. She returned his hug, looking at Ariel as she finally peeled the wrapping paper off the box and placed it neatly on the table. The box, though, that she didn't spare. She tore into it, shreds of it flying everywhere as she fought her way to a fairy house-shaped nightlight. Oh, she whispered, as she pulled the nightlight out, admiring the vibrant colors and the quirky shape of the little house. Like it? Hayden asked. I love it. I'll sleep with it on forever and ever and ever. She stood up, tucking the wrapping paper under her arm, and kissed him on the cheek before wandering off, probably in search of the perfect place for her new lamp in her room. You'll spoil her, his mother warned. Don't care. She swatted him with the dish rag she held in her hands as he laughed and jumped away. Happy birthday, Hayden, she said, when they both got a hold of their giggles. Thanks, Mom, he responded, sitting down at the table to watch her as she cooked. Years had taught him better than to ask if she wanted any help. She hated anyone being around her while she cooked. So... She started as she stirred more spices into the sauce she was making. How are things? Exactly the same as they were three days ago when I was here, he said with a teasing smile, 
and she rolled her eyes. You know what I mean, she said, and his smile slipped from his lips. Have you thought more about what we talked about? I didn't have to think more on it, Mom. I'm not doing it, he said, and she scowled at him. I don't get why not, she said, and he sighed, not wanting to get into the same argument for the millionth time. We talked about this, and I don't want to rehash it on my birthday. Can we just have a nice lunch and go for some shopping later? He asked, and she sighed deeply before nodding. We will come back to this, she warned, and he had no doubt she meant it. She had been increasingly more invested into questioning his determination not to get his soulmate portrait done. He turned his head to look at two wooden carved picture frames that now held photos of him and Ariel. They didn't used to. The frames were a wedding gift for his parents from his grandparents. They were hand-carved and stunning, and they were created to hold the portraits his parents got of each other when they were twenty. They met each other three years later, got married the same year. Hayden came soon after. Ariel was a surprise. So was her condition and so were his father's packed suitcases at their door when he realized caring for a child with developmental disabilities wasn't fitting into his fantasy of a perfect life. His father had tried to keep in touch with Hayden over the years, but Hayden was having none of it. He loved his sister fiercely, and if his father couldn't see how amazing she was, then Hayden didn't need him in his life. Soulmate or not, his father walked out as soon as things didn't go his way. It soured the idea of soulmates for Hayden. It made him question the logic behind putting your whole life into waiting for someone who was supposed to be the one for you, only to have them walk out and abandon you and the life you'd built together. Hayden saw enough couples who weren't soulmates live and love and thrive. Portraits or not, an idea of a soulmate seemed too romantic for his practical soul. He didn't care to know. He wanted to meet someone, get to know them, and decide for himself if that someone was right for him or not. And no amount of nudging from his mother or his friends would change his mind. Go get your sister. Lunch is ready, his mother said. And he hopped up, kissing her on the cheek before climbing up the stairs. He found Ariel sitting in her room, lights turned off, and her new nightlight plugged next to her bed. The little star-shaped holes in the roof of the fairy house let the light out, and the beams projected onto the walls and Ariel's long hair. She watched it, mesmerized, reaching out to touch the stars on her walls. Found a place for it, he asked, and she smiled, nodding. It'll be here, so I can see it when I go to bed, she said and he walked over to sit next to her. That's a good idea. Are we going to the mall after lunch? She asked, and he nodded. Yup. Are you getting something? She had a part-time job stocking the shelves at their local shop, and she earned a bit of pocket money. She loved saving up and buying things she liked. I want a sundress, she announced, despite the fact that it was still winter and the weather was cold. Hayden smiled, not wanting to spoil her fun. Summer will be here before you know it, so you'll need it, 
Yeah, Mom wanted to get it for me last time we were there, but I asked the lady that works there to save it for me so I can buy it on my own when I save up. And today is the day, he asked, and she beamed. Yes, it's really pretty, you'll see. I believe you. You have great taste. He stood up, extending a hand to her. Now come on, lunch is ready. They walked down and joined their mother at the table, laughter ringing through the house as they ate. His mother pulled out a small cheesecake, topped with thirty thin, colorful candles. They sang happy birthday to him in the most awful, tone-deaf harmony, and then Ariel managed to blow out the candles before he even inhaled. He couldn't remember the last time he felt happier. Ariel helped Hayden with cleaning up the table, and they piled into his car, chatting excitedly about their shopping trip. Can I get a haircut too? Ariel asked, and their mother frowned. We didn't plan for it today, honey. I'm not sure if the salon will have any time to take us on. Oh, Ariel said, but didn't protest. You can always ask, Hayden offered, and his mother shrugged. Even if they had time, you'd have to wait for us to be done, she said, and he waved his hand in dismissal. I'll just pop into a cafe and grab a latte while I wait. I cleared my day to spend it with you, and I don't have a problem waiting if they have time to take you, he said. And Ariel cheered from the back seat, wiggling in excitement. Okay, his mother said, turning to his sister. Don't get too excited. They might not be able to see us today. Okay, Ariel said, but Hayden suspected her excitement was already through the roof. There would be no stopping it. They parked and walked into the mall, Ariel beelining for the store that had her sundress waiting. The cashier recognized her and pulled her dress for her. She insisted on trying it on so Hayden could see before she paid for it. It was a pale yellow dress, the skirt sprinkled with daisies and the back tied with crisscrossed ribbons. She looked lovely in it. She twirled around in front of a mirror for about fifteen minutes before deciding that the number of compliments she had received was enough for the time being. She paid for the dress, and they continued their casual shopping trip, randomly walking into stores and picking up a couple of things here and there. Finally, they stopped by the hair salon that, luckily, had an opening to take Ariel right away. I'll be right around the corner, Hayden said to his mother, who was settled into one of the chairs, her e-reader already in hand. We'll come find you as soon as she's done, she said, and he nodded, walking away. The little cafe was outside of the mall, but in a building attached to it, and it was one he came to a lot. It was fairly close to his apartment and served amazing coffee. He walked in, taken aback by how crowded it was. Granted, he usually came later in the morning while he was on break, but it still surprised him. He waited in line for about twenty minutes before his order was ready, and then he turned around to find a seat, only to realize none were available. He scanned the room, hoping someone was getting ready to leave, when he caught sight of a man sitting alone in the far left corner of the cafe. Someone was standing above him, and they seemed to be talking. Hayden was about to turn and leave when the person standing next to the man left, and Hayden finally got a good look of the man sitting at the small table. Hayden's breath caught, 
and the coffee sloshed over the edge of his cup as he came to an abrupt stop. He could only see the man's profile from where he was standing, but even that was enough for him to see there was something exceptionally beautiful about the stranger. He had auburn hair that was standing up everywhere on his head, full lips wrapped around the rim of his own cup, and a cutely upturned nose sprinkled with freckles. He was slim, and despite the relaxed position he was in, he looked small, almost breakable. It made Hayden want to sit with him in his lap and run his hands through that messy hair. He wanted to hear his voice and get to know him. Something about him called out to Hayden. And he didn't want to go home regretting not at least trying to strike up a conversation. He knew the what-ifs would eat him alive. So he squared his shoulders and walked over to the stranger's table. He stopped just behind his chair, inhaling a scent of vanilla he knew wasn't coming from the coffee shop. He second-guessed himself for a moment longer, something fluttery settling in the pit of his stomach. But his mind supplied no plausible arguments against at least trying to talk to the man. Thank you so much for listening to this special preview of Faces by A.M. Rose. This audiobook and others will be available through our online store for only $2.99 on February 29th. If you're listening to this after the sale, you can join our Patreon for only $5 and receive a 40% discount on all previously produced audiobooks. Or you can join at the $10 level, still get that discount on past audiobooks, and you will receive our future productions as a perk of membership. Visit hoofandfangpodcast.com to link to our online store and Patreon. You can also find those links in our show notes. And please join us every Friday as Maz and I talk about more incredible queer speculative fiction and the authors and creatives who bring them to life. Subscribe to Hoof and Fang wherever podcasts are available.